Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I'm sad. I'm sad and excited because today we're in the the last week of the sermon series, the seven signs, the seven miracles of Christ that John pointed to in his gospel. I love that John tells us at the end of his gospel exactly why he put these in here, why he put those in here, why he put the seven I am statements in here. He wrote those, he put them in there so that we may believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And by believing him, we may find life in his name. Amen? Well, today we're looking at Lazarus, and I hope that everyone in here realizes that we all have a Lazarus in our lives. And I'm not necessarily talking about a person. Maybe a moment. Maybe a season of our life. Maybe a situation in our life where something's died. And I can't wait to dig into this passage. John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to be using the NASB today. I just like the, I usually go between the NASB, the NLT. If you're looking for a good Bible to read every day, NLT. If you're looking for a good Bible to study, NASB, ESV, those are good. Old NIV is a good Bible, 1984, that's a good one to read too. Those are the two that I would go to um, in each case. But I'm going to be in the NASB today. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, The sickness is not meant for death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, everything up to this point I get. I understand, right? It's pretty simple. We've got a man named Lazarus who is sick. The, the name Lazarus means actually one who God helps. That seems pretty fitting, right? There's Martha, who is the one who cooked and cleaned and kind of kept the house going. We, we've met her before. And then we have Mary, who's the good listener. Remember, she was the one at the feet of Jesus. Jesus would visit these people often. It was a good place for him to go. He only lived two miles from Jerusalem. He would go there to be fed. He would go there to relax and be refreshed. And I'm sure he enjoyed going there because the Scripture tells us that he loved all three of those people. Right? You know know what that's like to go over to the people's house that you love. He had built a relationship with them. And now they need his help. Right? Now they're the ones dealing with the sickness. They've seen Jesus help other people dealing with sickness and pain, right? Now they're dealing with sickness. And the sisters send word to Jesus, a request for help. And I love how they worded it. Lord, 
the one whom you love is sick. They know he's busy, right? Jesus is busy. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He's healing people. He's helping people. But they need to get his attention. They need him to realize that this is important. So they remind him, this is someone that he loves. So in my understanding, it makes sense to me that Jesus, hearing this, would come and help Lazarus right away. Right? This is somebody he loves. This is somebody he hangs out with. This is somebody he cares about. And that's what makes the next verse so confusing. And I want to camp out here because this might be a place where some of you are at right now in life. Or maybe a place where you were at one point. Verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That doesn't make sense to me. Right? If this verse said, but when Jesus heard he was sick, then he stayed two days longer, that would make sense. I could understand that. That would mean for some reason he couldn't get away. He couldn't get back there. There's something more pressing, something, maybe some important work that he had to do. But instead of the word but, we have the word so. It's an interesting word. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer. The word so ties verse 6 back to verse 5. What was verse 5? Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved them, so he didn't come when they wanted him to come. Jesus loved them, so they didn't, he didn't come when they needed him to come. Right? There's a book called The Five Love Languages. Great book if you're married. After you read the book about cherishing your spouse, read the book about the five lung, live lung, lung languages? Love languages. There we go. Uh, these are five different ways that we all express and receive love. I, uh, they are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and touch. Those are five general ways that we all receive or give love. And usually there's ones that we focus in on more than the others, ones that work better for us than the others. I'm not big about giving gifts. Adavi does not have to give me gifts to show me that she loves me. I, I love her words of affirmation, though. I love her touch. Those are ways that I receive it. Everybody's different. And I heard a preacher who said that God's love language is trust. Trust. And I, I think he's correct. More than, more than he, he loves that we praise him and sing praises to him, right? He loves when you trust him. More than we wear the Christian bumper stickers or the Christian t-shirts or have the cross around our neck, right? More than that, it's trust that I think he experiences love from us. Sometimes we, we equate God's love with our comfort level, but God equates love with trust and faith. Comfort and trust sometimes don't jive, oftentimes don't jive. I would hate to be the PR rep or the press secretary for the president any president republican democrat this is not getting political uh, because sometimes or more than sometimes presidents say stupid things 
right, or do stupid things or things that aren't the smartest. And the, the press secretary has to think about and see how to spin it, right, how to turn it, how to explain it. Could you imagine being Jesus' PR person, though? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are all people that he visits, and he receives hospitality from often. He eats their food, and then we know that he loves all three. But when it came for them to reach out to him, when it came for that time that they reached out to them where they really needed him, he stayed away. He stayed away. Why? Because he loved them. Try explaining that while you're going through those things. Here's something that may help us. God's job is outcome. Our job is process. The more you think that you can control the outcomes in life, the more frustrated you're going to be with this journey of faith. You can only control what you do. You can only control the process. The outcome is out of your hands. Many Christians believe something false. Many Christians believe or are taught that faith can control outcome. It's, it's thought that if I just pray this and do that, then I can expect this. Right? That's what's taught a lot of times. I've heard it preached that if, if I just have enough faith, then God will do this. Then I can control the outcome. If I just have enough faith, I can control what God will do. But everyone has a Lazarus-type moment that challenges that, right? A moment where the formula just does not work. A moment that causes us to question maybe even our faith, our understanding of our faith, right? Maybe even sometimes God's love. Does he really love me. If he would, wouldn't he have come when I needed him, right? Faith is not a way to manipulate God, though. It is instead a patience with mystery. Faith is a patience with mystery. It believes that God can do anything on one hand, and on the other hand, it helps us to wait when God does nothing, or it appears that God does nothing. Because not God never isn't doing anything, right? There's never a time where he's not doing anything. He's always, but sometimes it appears that way. Faith helps us to get through those times, especially when we see him doing something for somebody else, right? That same thing that we're asking him, he's doing it for somebody else. Why isn't he doing it for me? Maybe even somebody that you think is less deserving than you. That can cause you to question some things. Everyone has a Lazarus-type situation, a Lazarus-type moment in their life where if God really loved you, he would do this. If God really saw you, then this. If God was really all-powerful, then surely he would do this. But we confuse God's love with the outcomes we desire, which might not be what's best for us. On our ends, the love of God is not proven when we thank him for the good things in our life. Our love for God is proven by the way we deal with his assumed absence. The love of God is proven when I can't feel his presence 
and yet by faith I choose to praise him because he's God. We praise him not because he does what we want him to do. We praise him because he does what is best for us. Because of what he did for us on that cross. Amen? The sisters sent a courier to Jesus with a message. The one who you love is sick and needs you to come. To their shock, the courier came back by themselves without Jesus. Jesus left them on red, right? I was just talking to Jody about this concept, and she helped explain it to me because I didn't quite understand it. But if you don't know this, on red is when somebody gets a text and you see it and they read it, but they don't respond to it. They just leave you on red. Jesus got the message from the people. Jesus got the message from the people he loved and purposely didn't come or respond for a few days. I've sent messages and been on read myself, and I'm sure maybe you have as well. It's not a good feeling, right? It's not a good feeling. It makes you wonder why someone didn't respond. I text you, why are you leaving me on read? Have you ever felt like that with God? Like your prayers are just being ignored or hitting the ceiling? Jesus, I need you to do something in this situation. I need you to take this away. I need your help, right? Have you ever prayed this? Jesus, I need to know what direction to go. And it's just like silence with that. Jesus, I need you to change my spouse. Jesus, it's me. It's the one you love, right? I need you. Jesus, in this moment, you love us, and and yet Jesus leaves the sisters on red because he loves them. Doesn't seem to go together, but we'll see how it does, right? I hope you know that you can have great faith and still be frustrated. You can have great faith and still wonder sometimes. It happens. I hope you know that you can have questions. I'm a pastor and I got questions. Why didn't you come, Jesus, in those moments? I remember one time we had this healing service. Had to be. I don't know if you remember this. There was somebody that was renowned who, who, who had the gift of healing and this person came and we had prayed for this service. We had prayed for this service. And at the service, man, God did amazing things. People were healed. People were set free, right? But we had one request of God. God, touch our daughter's eye and heal it. She had been dealing with something for for years, something that caused her to be ridiculed, right? Something that she struggled with. And we had prayed and prayed and prayed. I know I had faith. I know Adavi had faith, right? And this person was supposed to be to have the gift of healing, And we brought her up, and we prayed, and it was like Jesus left us unread, right? Nothing happened. It's a kind of a Lazarus-type moment. Am I doing something wrong? Do I not have enough faith? What's the issue? Because I was told, if you have enough faith, God will do whatever you ask him for it. That's false teaching, though. That's not true. I want you to know that you can be real with God. I want you to know, though, there's a right way to do it. 
right? There's a right way to do it. Martha's going to show us it in a minute. Verse 7, though, then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and yet you are going there again? Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks during the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Anyone read that and you're like, well, that clears it up, sarcastically, that part. The disciples had expressed their fears, their, their fears and danger, the danger of death would be the result of going to Judea. But Jesus' answer would say that, yeah, that there's the darkness of night, but we're walking in the day, that that time's not come yet, Right? There's still work for Jesus to do. And while there's still work for Jesus to do, there's no worry that, that he will die before then. That's faith. It's still light out. He has work to finish. So they didn't have to worry about that. They didn't understand that, though. Verse 11, after he said this, after this, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Jesus meant he was dead, right? We get that. He's speaking symbolically. The disciples are more literal. They're more like me. Jesus says he's fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. His disciples reply, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, right? Make it plain, Jesus. Sometimes that is my prayer. Make it plain, Jesus, because I'm just not following you. Again, everyone in here has a Lazarus. I'm not necessarily talking about a person that you lost. Your Lazarus might be something in your, in your character that you thought would be refined by now. You thought would be fixed by now, but it's still a struggle. You send a message to Jesus saying, come here. I need you to change me. I need you to break these chains off of my life. Everyone has a Lazarus. Some people's Lazarus is buried so deep, though, so deep that they forgot about it, or it no longer registers. But the disappointment is still felt. The disappointment is still left. We may even feel that God has let us down in these moments. Here's what we need to know, though. How we process that disappointment determines whether faith faith propels us forward or fear paralyzes us. Fear is faith in the enemy, right? Faith is trust in God. So when we send word to Jesus and he doesn't come like we asked, like we thought he would, now they have a decision to make. How are they going to react to this? They're going to have to answer the question, does he love me? And they can't base that. We can't base that on where we sit at that moment. We have to understand there's bigger things in play. Jesus said, I'm going to wake him up. Right? Verse 15, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe But let's go to him. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let's also go so that we may die with him. 
He didn't get it. First, I love Thomas's faith. This is doubting Thomas, right? And he's thinking that they're going to kill Jesus, and yet he's willing to follow him anyway. Let's have that faith. But before that, we have this challenging concept that seems to suggest that Jesus showed up late on purpose. There was a reason. Why? So that they could see something they couldn't see if he would have showed up and healed him. Right? Specifically, the scriptures said so that they could believe. They're about to see his glory like they have not seen before. Right? They're going to learn something about him they didn't even know could happen. And it's going to take them to a whole nother, deeper level. And they're going to be blessed by it. More blessed than if he would have healed him. Yeah, maybe God's late for you, but maybe you're going to see a demonstration of God's power like you've never seen before, and it's going to ignite your faith and take you deeper. I know it's difficult to live in this place, right? It's difficult to be here in this place of faith. In fact, verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that they had already that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days, this is significant to the Jewish audience that John was writing to with his gospel. They believed that within the first three days of death, it was possible for the spirit to return to the body. It was their superstitious belief that was common to them at this time. But Jesus waited till day four to the point that it wasn't or shouldn't have been possible so that he could reveal his glory. I wonder, is God waiting past the point of your expectation? Is he waiting past the point of what you believe can happen so that he can take you to a whole other level of faith? He's about to show them that he can do what they think is impossible. Was not, he can do what they thought wasn't even possible. Verse 18, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 15 stadia away, two miles. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. So then Martha, when she had heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said, then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We all have different ways of handling disappointment some of us get under the covers not Martha it says she went to meet him and when she does maybe she said oh welcome to Bethany right now you show up I remember when you came and ate my cooking when you stayed at my house right it's good to see you it would have been really good to see you while my brother was still alive though right that's the, some of us, some of, that's the things that some of us wouldn't say, but I imagine that Martha would say those things. You see, you might not realize it at this point, but, Jesus, but Martha went out and met Jesus at the gate to the city. She went out to meet him, right? This is kind of interesting because the other times that Jesus came over, she invited him into her house. Now she meets him at the gate, But watch this. I love how she still has an understanding that you didn't do what I wanted to do. 
but that doesn't change my understanding of who you are, right? I hope we have that faith, that no matter what comes our way, we'll always remember who he is. She's upset, right? She offers God an honest assessment of what she's thinking, of what she expected. And I hope we're all honest in our prayers with God, with our disappointments, with our questions, right? If you would have come, Jesus, my brother would still be alive. I hope you have the freedom to pray honest prayers and share your heart. Lord, why did you allow them to do this to me? If you would have been there, Lord, that wouldn't have happened. Lord, why didn't you heal my loved one? Why did you let them die? You could have stopped it. You you can do all things. Heck, you didn't even need to come. You could have just spoke the word, right? That was one of the miracles. You could have just spoke the word and said it, and they would have been healed. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I hope you have honest prayers like Martha, and I hope you know that you can bring your disappointment in the presence of God. Here's what I also hope, though, that you have the faith that Martha has in this moment, and I hope you pray on the level that she did in verse 22. Even now... I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Even now. I love those two words. Even now. Even in this heartache, I believe. I know that people in here have experienced terrible things. And I hope that we can all get to the place where we say by faith, even now. Even now, I believe that you can do something through this. Even now, I believe that your glory can shine through this. Even now, I know. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. You're missing the point, Martha, right? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Look at her response. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world, even during the pain, even during the disappointment. He hasn't done the miracle yet, right? He hasn't done anything yet. And even now, she believes. I want us to have that kind of faith. The kind of faith that says, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why this happened. But I believe that you are the Christ. That you are the Son of God. She confessed faith in him without the miracle. I hope that's us. I hope we confess without the miracle. Right? When Lazarus is still in the grave on day four when there's no hope. When she thought there was no hope. Verse 28 When she had said this, she left and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling you, calling for you. And when she heard this, she got up quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha met him. Let this remind you that if you choose to keep God at a distance, he will respect that. 
lot of people pray and wish that God was closer to them. He will be as close as you want him to be. Some of us say and pray that we want him close, but then we're like, no, you stay at the gate, right? He'll be as close as you want him to be. Verse 31, then the Jews who were with her in the house and were consoling her, when they saw that Mary had gotten up quickly and left, they followed her, thinking that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So when Mary came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would have not died. Notice Mary comes to him, falls down at his feet. I don't think this is in faith, but more frustration. Because she said that, if you had only been here, my brother would be alive. I see that disappointment. That same disappointment with Martha and Mary as well. She feels like she's been left on red. Verse 33, Therefore when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And it says that Jesus wept. I see Jesus deeply moved. Not only moved, but troubled. Why? Jesus knows the outcome that's coming, right? He knows what's going to happen. He knows that Lazarus is going to be raised to life. He knows there's a party coming in chapter 12. But they're living in chapter 11. Some of you are living in chapter 11 with the pain. And you can see he's right there with you in that pain. Right? He knows the end of this chapter. But we aren't there yet. At this moment. We know the end of the chapter. But they don't. Right now, there is pain, and he is participating with it. He is participating in it. Where is God when we are going through these moments? We just remember that verse, he wept. He's with you. He feels it. He knows chapter 12 is coming, but he knows you're in chapter 11. You may think he's not there, but he's there. He feels it. He asks, where did you lay him? Take me to him. Don't take me to the place where you let everyone else come. Take me to the place where this thing that's dead is buried. Where you've given up hope. It's the place that maybe you're embarrassed of. That you don't want anyone else to see. It's the place of rejection. It's the place of deep pain. Maybe it's a place of ultimate betrayal. That place, that place, Jesus is saying to you right now, take me there. Take me to the place that your life took a sudden turn for the worse, right? Took a sudden turn in a direction that you didn't see coming. Everyone has a Lazarus type moment. Take me to the place that caused you to start cutting your arms so that you could feel something. Take me to the place where you put the mask on and just started pretending. Everyone has a Lazarus. The question is not whether you do or not. The question is, what do you do with your Lazarus? 
Jesus will come to that place if you let him. Jesus will come to that place if you let him. Verse 36, so the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could this man who opened the eyes of the man who was blind not have also kept this man from dying? They were here last week. They heard the story, right? So now you have one voice saying that Jesus loves you so much, and now you're going to have another voice in your head saying, if he loves you, then why? And the Bible says that Jesus once more deeply moved didn't respond to their opinions but operated according to his purpose verse 38 so jesus again being deeply moved within came to the tomb now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it the stone across the entrance means that there's nothing going in nothing coming out right that might be some of our hearts today they're stone. They're dead. And Jesus tells them something to do that he could have easily done himself, right? Remove the stone. Take away the stone. That's weird. He's got the power, right? He's about to show that he's got the power to bring somebody back to life. And yet, he asked them to push away the stone. He could have, but he didn't. Until the moment that we're open, that we open ourselves to God, right, and let him in, our hearts will always be a closed tomb. They will be dead. Open the tomb. Open yourself to him. Let him in. Here's what's beautiful. When, when Martha responded to Jesus' command, she was embarrassed. She was embarrassed because she didn't want to expose what was inside. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there's going to be a stench, for he's been in there four days. Right? I don't want anyone else to see this. Excuse me. I don't want anyone else to know this, especially you, Jesus. I don't want anyone else to know what's really going on in my heart because it stinks. It's dead in there. But then Jesus said something. Verse 40, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for that you heard me, but I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come out. Lazarus, come out. And out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around him with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. You might not get your Lazarus back, but you can experience God bringing something dead back to life. God's presence is always calling what is dead to life. He's always unbinding something. 
freeing it. He's always calling something to come forward. He's the God who's working all things together for our good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He loved Lazarus. He loved those two women. He loves me, and don't you dare doubt, no matter what's going on in your life, that he doesn't love you. Right? You may not get it. You may not understand it. You may feel like he's letting you down. You may be extremely disappointed. You may be confused, but don't doubt his love for you because he's doing something. He's got something planned. He, he wants to take you deeper in faith if you'll trust him. He comes to that dead place in your life, the place that stinks so bad, hurts so much. He's standing there. He's not forsaken you. He's not abandoned you. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's a, never is the Greek word uma, and it's a double negative that says, no, never. No, never will I leave you. No, never will I forsake you. Don't you dare doubt that today. He's with you. He feels the pain that you feel. He knows you're embarrassed to open up that tomb because it stinks. But he can set it all right. He can call whatever's dead back to life if you let him. Invite him today to your Lazarus, that dead place in your heart. Don't worry how bad it stinks, right? Don't worry what it looks like. He calls dead things back to life. Amen? A lot of you already know my story about surviving cancer, stage four. Uh, but you're going to hear a little bit of that again. Um, at a very young age, growing up in church, I often heard testimonies about a life-changing experience someone had, wondering what was going to be my story. You know, I always felt like you know, I was just a normal old kid, grew up in a middle-class family, you know, there was nothing special. Felt like, okay, we go to church every Sunday, you know. Big deal, you know. As a kid, my mom and I traveled and uh, sang and preached throughout Ohio, Florida, Georgia, Pennsylvania. And uh, I started working when I was uh, 16 years old. I couldn't wait to work. I had three jobs, sometimes at once. Uh, I was very dedicated to working. I loved to work. I couldn't wait to get old enough to work. I couldn't wait to get old enough to drive. Uh, fast forward to 2010. My life came to a screeching halt after being diagnosed with stage 4 lymphoma cancer. And here's something only two other people in the room know. Three days later, I was diagnosed with HIV. 
I felt like life was over. I began to feel dirty, began calling myself damaged goods because I thought no one would ever want me again. But God wanted me. He wanted to have a personal and spiritual relationship with me. The disease and treatments were so taxing on my body that I haven't been able to return to work. I met my recent ex in August of 2011. Just months after my last chemo treatment, we were together for 10 years. The last four years of that relationship became very toxic. I endured daily mental abuse, consistently being made feel like everything was my fault. Combine all that together, I became depressed bitter, angry. I just wanted to die because I felt like inside I already did. In the spring of 2021, I made the very tough and some might say brave decision to leave Columbus, to leave my beautiful home and start over. I wish someone would dry these tears because I can barely see. After being back for a short time, I, my uncle Howard had passed away. And uh, the pastor that did the service was Pastor James. After the service, I spoke to him. I kept in contact with him through Facebook and asking for a prayer several times. I'm sure I probably drove him nuts. And uh, he graciously invited my mom and I to church. I can honestly say there's no place I'd rather be. 40 minutes away from where we live, but there's no place I'd rather be. I told someone, I forget who it was, I keep wanting to count how many churches we pass on the way. But it doesn't matter because this, as I told, told my mother when we pulled in last Sunday, we're home. But since we've been coming, the days seem a little brighter. My soul seems a little lighter. The depression, the bitterness, the anger is starting to fade. I still have my bad days and nights, voices in my head saying, I don't matter. 
Nobody cares. You'll never be anything. I know there's much room for improvement, and it will come in time. For now is the time to recharge, reset, refocus. As in Isaiah 40:31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. I look forward to the doors God is going to open and the opportunities he is going to bring my way and how he will use me to inspire and minister to others. In closing, I'd like to quote a saying I found, oddly enough, on a plaque in a thrift store on a Sunday after church. (laughs) Just think you are not here by chance, but by God's choosing. His hands formed you and made you the person you are. You lack Nothing. He compares you to no one else. His grace will give you what you need. He has allowed you to be here at this time in history to fulfill his purpose for this generation. Thank you.
children, their children, their children. May His favor be upon you and the thousand generations.